Well, a mixed day for U.S. equities. While bonds really are going nowhere, the main move has been the U.S. dollar, which continues downwards, breaking below 90 on the DXY index and heading back to levels not seen since 2018. And oil, could we have another 4 million barrels a day added to the global inventory? It's the morning call for Wednesday, the 19th of May, 2021. Good morning. Well, U.S. stocks are very mixed today, basically moving in all directions. The Nasdaq was up over half a percent earlier. Now it's pretty much where it was this time yesterday. The S&P 500 down a quarter percent, most of that in the last hour or so of trade. The Dow down a third of one percent. Very little movement in European stocks or bonds and 10-year treasuries in the U.S. pretty flat too. The U.S. dollar down again, falling almost half a percent on the DXY, down below 90. It touched 89.7. The Aussie dollar has bounced back a little. It's up half half a percent, back over 78 US cents. The pound also up, it's uh, gained 0.4%. The euro up 0.6%. And oil down today, 0.9% fall in Brent. It was over 1.5% down earlier and a uh, 1% drop in WTI as well. Gavin Friend is here, Senior Market Strategist NAB in London. Let's start with the US dollar, Gavin, because that's probably the main story, isn't it? Down below 90 on the DXY uh, for the first time since early January. But, uh, I mean, could it break even lower now? And what are the drivers that are going to take it there? Yeah, good morning, Phil. I mean, it certainly is. That's the thing that's that's moving the dial at the moment. Um, I would warn that we have some pretty significant levels on the dollar DXY, uh, the trade weighted index, just sort of an, uh, a percent, a percent and a half below where we are now. These would be the uh, 2018 lows. You, you may recall uh, when Trump when Trump came in late 2016, early 17. Uh, you know. People bought the dollar. They thought he would push through some big infrastructure spending. He spent a year in 2017 essentially spinning the wheels, couldn't get anything through. The dollar fell, uh, reaching that low in early 2018 before he then got the tax cuts through and you know the Fed raised rates. And then the dollar shot up on the back of that by some 17.5%. So we're unwinding all that now. Yeah, we're not, we don't have far to go, do we, till we reach that no. 2018 point? And what's driving this really is a combination of factors. You've got the sort of reopening in Europe, which seems to be, you know, back on the vaccine uh, track. Um, You know, unlike the US, the Europe doesn't really suffer from this kind of um, uh, labour market volatility in terms of, you know, the job protection scheme in Europe means there wasn't so much of a sort of a, a fire and need to rehire. We don't get that kind of volatility that we're seeing in US labour markets. The economy in Europe is really being driven more by exports and trade to the rest of the world rather than being consumer led or consumer driven as it is in the US. And therefore, in the US, you're seeing this big supply demand disruption. So we're not getting that. Um, and the, But the other thing, of course, is because everybody's concerned about inflation, um, you've got real yields. Break-evens are higher. Break-even inflation expectations around the world are higher. But because the Fed is consistently speaking with one voice in terms of the voting FFC, FMC members anyway, that they will look through this it's, you know, uh, engendering onto the investment community this idea that the Fed's going to be right at the back of the pack before it changes policy. And so mm. real yields in the US are coming down further than anywhere else. And that is helping to undermine the dollar down to these kinds of levels. It's going to take some work to get through these uh, big, important supports. But you've got euro dollar above 122, cable above 142. Yeah. You mentioned the Aussie there all looking and it's so it's the sum of the parts here that actually could get this thing going um, I think it's more going to be more of a grind than a, than a big shove um, not least because 
We know that, for instance, the ECB won't be too happy about a surge in euro up towards 125, 126, the old highs. Um, you know, it still will, needs to be a little bit cautious about the uh, about the recovery. Um, but it will be, I think, when, it, when the ECB meets on the 10th of June, it will be coming with a bringing with it um, a more op- optimistic set of forecasts in terms of the, you know, reopening and uh, you know and less of a, less of a concern about inflation. I mean, you know, the concerns over inflation in the US don't seem to be happening in Europe or, or in the UK. So we had Francois Villeroy from the ECB today saying there's no risk of lasting inflation in the euro area. I guess, in fairness, they're saying the same thing in the United States. But Andrew Bailey from the Bank of England was in front of a Lord's Economic Affairs Committee uh, uh, overnight saying uh, he can't see any signs of input prices passing through to consumer prices in the UK. Really? Well, yeah. Well, we'll we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, we're going to get later on today... April CPI numbers for the UK, they're going to show a jump from uh, around about one, uh, around about 0.7% to 1.5%, 1.6% as these kind of base effects come through, as the reopening, um, you know, it's it's, it's clear in the UK that a lot of businesses are ramping up prices as the economy moves through these various stages of reopening. We've now just gone past stage three of four. Um, Whether four gets pushed out or not will depend uh, from the 21st of June on, you know, the uh, the, the progress of the uh, India variant, of course. But w- we get some mechanical uh, rises uh, from for in the UK on inflation from uh, energy price hikes. There's about a 9%, circa 9% rise on electricity and gas prices coming through. All these things are going to feed through. Inflation in the UK will rise there from where it is now on an annual basis of 0.7 to, um, you know, 2% in the next two or three months Above that, possibly in the next few months over the summer, to 3%. That'll be 1% above the Bank of England's 2% target, so at the right of the top end of its tolerance range. Um, But after that, like the US, the expectation is things will fade. Of course, whether that's true or not, is n- yeah. none of us know, and will depend on the supply side uh, disruptions that uh, that are the, uh, the the topic of much discussion. Yeah, hence the weariness in the markets. Absolutely. I mean, if it doesn't happen, well, what do the central banks do? Look, the uh, you mentioned job numbers, and and obviously, still eight million people looking for work in the uh, United States who had jobs before the pandemic. But look at the situation in the UK: eighty four thousand extra people in work now after a fall of seventy three thousand in January. So this is in February when they were still in lockdown. Average earnings uh, grew uh, 4%, less than expected. The unemployment rate now down to 4.8%. Seems like they're not doing mm. too badly. No, that, that, that drop to 4.8 was, you know, better than forecast um, from 4.9. If you look at on a quarterly basis, it's 4.8 in Q1 versus 5.1. So down three-tenths from Q4 last year. Same time, as you mentioned, employment continues to rise up, uh, what, uh, two-tenths of a percentage point to 75.2. It's still 1.5% below pre-pandemic levels, but going in the right direction. Um, the number of payroll employees increased at the fastest pace since last April. This, as you say, the UK economy moves through these reopening stages. Um, and there's a surge, an obvious surge in hiring in retail and hospitality. This is, of course, good news. But there's still oh, nearly a million um, payroll employees uh, fewer than there were uh, pre-pandemic and youth unemployment is the, is the area where there's a lot of pain that's at five year highs so the government's furlough scheme has shielded the labour market but that scheme will gradually be phased out from July with employers then having to cover an increasing percentage of employee 
uh, costs, not just as they do at the moment, national insurance and pension contributions. And when that scheme closes in September, there's an expectation that well, there's over four million on the furlough scheme. Most of those will go back to work or will find other jobs. The question is how many won't, and uh, you could see the unemployment rate rising from 4.8 today to you know above five percent, five and a half percent, something like that. Now, the RBA minutes yesterday, there wasn't very much new in there, was there? I mean, the decision on whether to extend the uh, three-year um, uh, bond purchases to, to uh, from April 2024 to November 2024, uh, that decision wasn't taken. But it sounds like a decision was made on when that decision should be made, at least. Yeah, I mean, we knew this anyway from the DeBell speech, from the um, the statement um, at the last meeting, of course, that the, last week we had the statement on monetary policy as well. So July is when the RBA will give us uh, that information on whether to maintain the uh, April 24 uh, as the yield curve control target or shift to the November, as you say, and whether to extend uh, QE beyond September. Um, there were a couple of sort of, you know, lines of interest in, in, in the minutes, um, pertaining to this and um, basically they're going to be paying close attention to the flow of economic data and conditions in financial markets previously it was on the flow of economic data and the outlook for inflation and employment so there's a slight nod there we think to in financial conditions to the nascent concerns about the impact of the three-year target and three-year yield target and the RBA's holdings uh, incre- an increasingly large share of outstanding government debt. So, again, we're going to have to wait a little bit longer for this, but um, just a couple of months. Now, oil prices are down today because uh, apparently there has been further headway on brokering an agreement between the US and Iran. So we return to something like the 2015 nuclear deal. Uh, now, it was only a couple of months ago that Joe Biden was complaining about Iran selling, continuing to sell oil to China. Uh, but now it looks like, you know, everyone might be buying it. There's a report from Bloomberg that should this deal get through, then Iran could return to production levels of 4 million barrels a day, which is like... of all the oil in the world. Hence the price drop today, I guess. Yeah, that's right. But I think we've also got to remember, I mean, commodity prices generally have been pushing up. There's a bit of a push-me-pull going on here with oil, Mm. of course, because it's very um, receptive to... Uh, any downturn in economic expectations. You know, every time you get a weak piece of data or something comes out, you'll find that oil is subject to a pull that way. So I think, you know, lots of churn going on there at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean, everything's pushing me, pull you wherever you look at the moment, isn't it, really, with so much uncertainty around. Look, the uh, the wage price index for Australia uh, is uh, out today, ahead of tomorrow's employment numbers. Uh, what's that going to tell us? Yeah, so the, consen- the consensus there, Phil, is looking for um, a, a rise of 0.5% on the quarter, taking the annual rate up to 1.4%. Mm. And, and, and that will be, and, and I think to our previous conversation that will be an, an important feeding in terms of uh, you know the RBA's calculations on whether to extend QE etc. Now tomorrow morning uh, just before we launch tomorrow morning's podcast the FRMC minutes are out uh, they of course predate that uh, shock inflation read that, that we saw so I mean there's going to be a bit of analysis isn't it, of the comments to see how they've stood the test of time. Yeah, I mean, you know, the minutes, uh, multiple pages, always something for everyone. You know, you're going to find, you know, the, a very divided market. Those that 
uh, uh, well behind what the Fed is 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 saying it's going to do. The rest of the market that feels that the Fed has lost the plot and uh, will need to act uh, more quickly. Um, I'm sure we're going to find something for both for both camps. We know what the Fed's line is. They keep telling us. Um, so uh, any impact we get from this, I think, will be will be fleeting. All right, and as always, you'll hear it first here tomorrow morning on the morning call. Good to talk, Gavin. Thanks, Phil. And I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you Thursday morning. Have a great day.